engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good afternoon. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson. I'm very excited because my new show, The Von Hessler Doctrine, starting on January 9th, will be on this station, News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, every weekday, starting on January 9th, 11 a.m. to noon. That's right, one hour a day. It's going to sap all of the energy that I have. We're very excited, but for now, I uh, don't have all the doctrinaires with me. usually have a larger cast for that, but i got a couple here. Jared Yamamoto is with me. How are you, Eric? I'm fine. The handsomest producer in all of producery, Jared Yamamoto. Why, thank you. Tim Andrews is here with me. Hello. And, of course, Andrews on the board. So let's start with where we usually start. This right here. Headlines of the day. Now, I know Kerry Fisher has died, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but other headlines. Yeah, this is breaking news. It's uh, breaking all over Twitter right now, and this is uh, straight from the New York Police Department. Uh, Trump Tower has been evacuated due to a suspicious package. Uh, So we don't know yet. Usually these things, 99 out of 100 times, there's nothing there. What is, is there something wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Just tell me what it is. Okay. Uh, 99 out of 100 times, there's nothing uh, in the suspicious package. It turns out not to be a bomb, but we don't know yet. And Trump is not there. He's in Florida. Thankfully. I wonder if how even a suspicious package even gets that far. How could you possibly even get that far into Trump Tower? I mean, C-SPAN is C-SPAN. It's got that camera on the door of yes. everybody going in and out. Going and in and C-SPAN out. C-SPAN doesn't provide enough security. I don't know what we're, what where we will. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's surprising to me that a suspicious package could even get that far. It's probably not anything, but it's too soon for us to say that. So hopefully it turns out to be like 99 out of the rest of the 100 Suspicious packages. How many times have we had to sit in traffic because there was a suspicious package? But you know what? As Bush used to say, they only have, we have to be right every single time. They only have to be right once. You got to take these precautionary uh, uh, situations as they come up and do the best you can. But probably it's nothing, but I'm not saying it's nothing. Next story. The Associated Press and uh, the Times Square Alliance have released their annual New Year's poll, and they found that 55% of Americans believe that 2017 is going to be better for them than last year. That's a 12% uh, improvement from last year. Before I even get into the poll, why not? It's a new, new time, new president. People get hopeful, I suppose, at the beginning of all presidencies. I want to take it back to something else. Why will we believe anything any poll says at any time? You know, the news just keeps right on and moving and chugging along. Uh, people in the media will hold politicians' feet to the fire. They'll say to uh, W, hey, you said there were weapons of mass destruction, and it turned out that there weren't. We're going to hold your feet to the fire. Well, if there's anything that we learned in 2016, it's that these polls are meaningless, because every one of them told us that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president of the United States. So has anybody gone back to these polling people to say to them, before we believe anything from the next poll, before we believe anything that you say, you have to come out and tell us how you've changed your methodology. Why, after every poll told us that Donald Trump had no chance of winning, why do we just go on and believe the next poll that says... We're drinking more lemonade. <laughs> and not, oh, well, we must be drinking more lemonade because those polls... No, I, don't be, I believe there should not be one more poll until each one of these agencies has a, uh, a story where they explain to us what they've done since November 9th 
to change their methodology because it became obvious on November 8th that the methodology behind polling is all wrong when it comes to real people and what they really think and what they really do. My favorite real person, smiling Mark McKay, and he's going to help you try to smile your way through this traffic. Eric, thank you very much. So I just, you know, to me, and next time, don't tell me, give me any more stories of polls. Fake news. It all falls into the category of fake news. Why, why don't they ever have to explain themselves? If it's the right place for the media to hold politicians' feet to the fire, to hold the president's feet to the fire, uh, you promised us this, this happened, and when things go wrong, you must explain to yourself. Why hasn't everyone in America decided, I'm never going to believe another poll on anything? What we're eating more of, what we're drinking more of, what people think of the president, what people think of Trump's transition team. Why would we believe any poll anywhere about anything when on the evening of November 8th, we found out, at the very least, the methodology behind these polls no longer works. So why hasn't anybody asked any of these polling agencies to pony up their new plan? What are you doing now? In any other business, you would have to show why you deserve uh, people's respect. But in this one, apparently, we just keep right on moving on to the next... What was this poll that you gave me? This is a AP and Times Square Alliance poll, and it's about regarding the new year. And meaning that people... <laughs> what is it saying? People... People are find that uh, 2017 is going to be better for them than 2016 was. Fake news. Fake news. Well, it I, well look, their methodology, their methodology was like, it's like a thousand people. The methodology has worked in the past. I've got news for you. When these polls worked, they didn't poll everybody. They polled about 2,000 people or 1,000 people. But whatever the methodology was, uh, it worked. But what we learned about the new world we live in on November 8th is that the methodology behind this polling, interesting, on the night that Trump won, people were still talking about polls that showed that President Obama was at 56% approval rating. I'm assuming the same methodology in those polls that told us that Hillary Clinton would be sworn in in a few weeks to be the next president of the United States. Why don't people ask questions is my question. I will which say... Which is a good question to have. My at, question is, why don't people ask questions? At least this poll, though, Eric, they, they did uh, survey it online, whereas a lot of those polls during the election were still using landlines, which, I'm sorry, I don't know anybody that has a landline Well, anymore. first of all, Do you, you don't know have... anybody who's over the age of 30 besides me, so y'all don't know that you necessarily <laughs> count. What about but, Tim? But I get your point. I get your point. Yeah, you uh, know me. The methodology, <laughs> the methodology, though, before was, it needs to be a mixture. You can't go to all online polling sure. either. What needs to be shown is that anybody that calls themselves a polling agency in this country has a methodology that works. It was obviously shown as broken because one thing all the polls agreed on was that Donald Trump was going to lose the presidency. Now, it's only the end of December. That happened at the beginning of November. I can't believe it's possible that these polling agencies have changed their methodology in such a way that we should actually begin believing what they say. Excuse it's me, fake excuse news. me. Yes, this sir. is Bill Gallup here. What oh. we've done is... <laughs> Mr. Gallup! We've added 10% more people who are educated, and we've decided uh, to do the polls online where you can vote more than six or seven different times, different points of view. New methodology for a new age. That's right. New, new new methodology to catch up. And we actually even break through Twitter with little <laughs> positioned advertisements. You're really modern. That's right. We're getting there. 
I mean, I don't know what the answer is. If there's still some landlines that you should be checking for people over 65, and then some internet, some sort of mix. But I don't feel. I, where Where is the day of reckoning? What, what happened? Are you just Why worried about polling- 20, Are you just worried about 2017, Eric? Do no. you have something going on? Are you worried about? No, I think 2017 is going to be a fine year. I mean, for heaven's sakes, Eric Von Hessler is going to be back on the radio every weekday. <laughs> that in and of itself makes 2017 a whole hell of a lot better than 2016 was. So I'm, I'm all for it, but I'm not buying anything from any polling agency until they tell me, first admit that they were wrong, and tell me what they've done to change their methodology. We'll get to more stories and all this celebrity death we're being surrounded by in this holiday season when we get back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. Playing this music for a reason. Sad news from Jared Yamamoto. What's the sad news? Yeah, this is uh, sad news that we're both a millennial and a baby boomer can look eye to eye, and we're both upset about what happened. Uh, Carrie Fisher has passed away at 60 years old. Very young, Carrie Fisher. Princess Leia. I uh, fell in love with her as a child in a movie theater. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. I thought, I, I'm here. I can help. Just ask <laughs> Princess Leia. I will help. Uh, 60 years old. You know, it's interesting. And it's not interesting. It's not even anything. It's just anecdotal, I suppose. I went to see Rogue One on Thursday in the middle of the day. And when I got out is when I found out this thing happened on the airplane with Carrie Fisher. So while I was watching Rogue One... Carrie Fisher, who I don't want to spoil it, does make an appearance in the movie, uh, was actually having this, I guess now we know, major heart attack on an airplane, and, and she was uh, taken to a hospital, but then she went into intensive care, and yeah, they said she was trying to spin that as, well, that's a good thing, but that's never a bad thing, never a good thing to go into intensive care <laughs> once you didn't start there in a hospital. Well, on Saturday, they said that she was in stable condition, which is, I mean, it must have really, I mean, obviously it turned... For the worst. Uh, obviously. So it's like 2016, which has taken uh, quite a few notables, g- reached up in the last week and decided, I want a couple more. Yeah. George Michael over, is it Michaels or Michael? George Michael. George Michael uh, over the weekend. Uh, what is it, sun, Christmas morning? Yeah. He died. Uh, I have a joke for that, but I won't use it because uh, the man's life's gone. Yeah. So I'm not going gonna, gonna to dispose of that. I'm, I'm, I'm an older and wiser person <laughs> than I am now. So he dies on Christmas morning. And interesting with George Michael, I don't know. I don't know if we have the whole story there. George Michael was a brilliant uh, singer. He was a brilliant performer, but known to have some trouble with uh, the demon drugs from time to time. 53 years old. Kind of a theme going there. So did Carrie Fisher. Uh, yes, she did. And so it, the, the, I don't know if it had anything to do with Carrie Fisher or George Michael, but this, these are young lives. Her mom's still alive, right? Her mom, Debbie Fisher's right. still alive. Well, not Debbie Fisher. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. Yes. Eddie Fisher was the... Right. Debbie Reynolds is still alive. Um, so you, you were telling me that you saw some kind of stand-up thing that Carrie Fisher was doing? Yeah, I did. My family uh, made me sit down and watch uh, a Carrie Fisher stand-up act over the weekend, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not great. It you very, know, it, it was can very... I tell you something? I would hope that critics... Of the new Von Hessler Doctrine, starting on January 9th every day. (laughs) I should hope that I would get... I get a feeling that if you're... 
she got the HBO show because she was a known person. Sure. Like yeah. somebody with that same material well, talked- walking into a comedy club wouldn't have ended up on HBO. Well, she she talked about her family tree and how it was a very messed I up family. I could do a show on HBO about my family tree. Yes, you could. tell you, it would be quite interesting. You would have a good story. And I thought that her telling her story was good. What Now, was she like insanely funny? No. She but, seemed a bit but, bitter to me toward the end. And sometimes that's a dicey thing. Some comedians can really pull that bitter thing off. But when they don't. It uh, ends up just you could, being. You could like, tell she was quick. You know, the people have that just that quickness yeah. about them, and I, she definitely had that. So that's on HBO. Okay, I suppose I'll check that out. And uh, Rogue One, I thought was actually quite great. I, while we're here on this, this Star Wars, fun uh, wasn't situation. it? Yeah, I thought it was a very good one. I think it's the best one. I agree with you, Tim Andrews. Uh, Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie since The Empire Strikes Back. Woo-hoo. Now that second hour is the best hour in the entire franchise. <laughs> 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 What was that again, Tim? There wasn't enough of that in this movie. There was no Chewie in that movie. There was no Chewie in the movie. Spoiler alert. still a very good... uh, It's not a spoiler alert if you tell people what's not in the movie, is it? No, it's not. No Yoda. (laughs) There's no Yoda in this movie. Spoiler alert! No Mark Hamill. Plenty of stormtroopers. Now, Tim and I saw it like on opening day, pretty much. Eric, did you think that the second hour was the best in the franchise? I don't know if it was the best in the franchise, but it certainly was uh, very exciting. And the first hour is a little slow. It's not dull, but the first hour is a little slow. And then it just explodes. Andrew, have you seen it yet? No, not yet. No. Are you a Star Wars guy? What's that? Are you a Star Wars guy? Are you uh, into kind it? of? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's you know it, once they got these things away from George Lucas, who was ruining them. Now they've put them in the hands of people who understand something about Star Wars movies. Hashtag thank you, Disney. They need to be fun. We don't need to know all the facts about the backstory all the time while you're walking through hallways of the Senate. <laughs> we want to see a shoot em up. We want to have some fun. So, Rogue One's fun. We'll be back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson, joined by Jared Yamamoto and my friend Tim Andrews. You know, we were just talking about the loss of Carrie Fisher and uh, my millennial, my moronial friend here, Jared Yamamoto, mentioned the fact that, well, this is something that we can agree on. Being from different generations, both care about this Star Wars franchise and losing Carrie Fisher. Specifically Carrie Fisher. Exactly. That we can, we can agree on this uh, on this, but then I took the conversation a little bit further with my millennial friend, and I said, uh, you know, her mother was in, uh, you know, she's in all those great movies, and I said, Singing in the Rain, and he said, what? She was in Singing in the Rain? Debbie Reynolds is in I Singing in the Rain? Remember. I've, I'm I've millennial. Least, I don't know anything that happened before the day I was born. At least I don't care. Seen, at least I have seen that movie. I just couldn't remember that, that she was the main actress All right, okay, uh. very good, very good. All right, well, she is. <laughs> Debbie Reynolds is in that. Good to know. Give me some more uh, news. In a podcast with David Axelrod as host, President Obama. Oh, is he the big new podcaster now, David Axelrod? <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, is he, is he, he was is he, <laughs> right up there with Mark Maron. <laughs> <laughs> now known as the new king of all media, yeah. David yes. Axelrod. Well, you might know him better because he's on CNN now, and he also was he's uh, got the eyebrows. President yeah. Obama's uh, campaign manager in 2008 and 2012. He was also a spokesperson for a while, I believe, once he got to the White House. That's right. And the crazy eyebrows. He does have those crazy eyebrows. So now he's the biggest podcaster in America that's from right. what I understand yeah it's called the Axe File so if you want to subscribe oh. to it I know I think I saw it on Tim Andrews' uh, uh, iTunes feed over oh about, yeah yeah is that about deodorant and such <laughs> things to I, wear I guess so right <laughs> the I Axe smell File. like a jerk <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so he sat down. Hold on one second, though. Before we talk about the, the Axe Files and what he said, <laughs> is it not true that anyone who wears Axe is, in fact, a jerk? I think so, yes. It's, it's at least a very good indicator. Let's put it this way. If you actually apply Axe to your body, it's the onus is on you now to prove that you're not a jerk. We exactly. can at least say that. We can all agree on it's that. It's now on to you. Okay, now back to Jared Yamamoto, my favorite moronial. <laughs> so Axelrod sat down with uh, President Obama, where he, where President Obama said he could have been reelected for a third now, hold, term. No, wait a minute. You're telling me that President Obama actually said yes? Yes, he did. To he an said, interview with a guy who used to work for him? He did, yeah. That must have been a groundbreaking, hard-hitting interview. Uh, That's a lot right. of tough questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, look, I, there was no... Look, I went in there not knowing what he was going to ask. Yeah. And, you didn't and, tell him? And, you didn't and, submit and, the questions beforehand? Uh, Donna Brazil didn't call me on the phone and say, hey, there's going to be some uh, hardball questions coming your way. You're flying blind. I flew blind. And so what was the news that was made out of this? What's well, it called? What's the show called again? It's called The, uh, the Axe Files. Ooh, that's a nice play on words there. <laughs> and, and, set, and not only did he say that he'd be elected for a third term, he also said that the, largely, that the nation still largely embraces his political I vision. some of him here from The Axe Files, I believe. Yes, you can probably win presidencies repeatedly. It constitutes the majority of the country. But you can't govern. Is, uh, the, the if I had run again and articulated it, I think I could have mobilized a majority of the American people to rally behind it. And what I'll say once again, Fake news. the most overused radio sounder in 2016, soon to be the most overused radio sounder in 2017, fake news. I'll explain more why it's fake news after Smod and Mark McKay explains the traffic to you. And it'll be 2017 at 11 a.m. I say congratulations, Eric, and the Don Hessler Dr. Team. We're looking forward to uh, hearing you after the uh, Herman Cain show from Thank 11 a.m. Thank you, sir. Really, uh, congratulate you guys on the hard work, Eric. So somebody, please, this is the home of news. News 95.5, AM 750 WSB. Somebody, perhaps I could talk to Chris Chandler. Somebody tell me how this is news. The fact that the president says that he could have won a third term. If I had run again and articulated it, I think I could have mobilized a majority of the American people to rally behind it. Well, I could argue against that, but why would I bother? It wasn't possible for him to run for a third term. I, I, I have to beg to differ. Uh, if, uh, the Congress, and yeah. uh, maybe I could have written an executive order saying that uh, I, uh, Barack Obama, could uh, run for a third term. Uh, I could have mobilized uh, an army of voters. Uh, martial law. Uh, that would have defeated. Martial law. Sounds good. Uh, who is he? <laughs> she was a uniquely horrible candidate. Who knows? We could do this parlor game. It is true in America now, policies mean less than personality. Uh, we see that, uh, you know, I think with Trump as well. Uh, people wonder, uh, how come Trump can go back on his word on this or that and not lose his people? I'll tell you why. Because it wasn't really about the policies. They liked the guy. They felt like Donald Trump spoke for them. He was like a guy that they could have a beer with, and he understood the problems of the nation. Am I right? It wasn't about any one policy, Donald Trump. Oh, you're absolutely right. Look, President Obama, let me tell you this right now, okay? What I'd like to do is actually have an election. We could do it. I'll pay, pay, pay for it. Pay Pay-per-view. Pay-per-view, you call a 1-900 number, we'll give all the proceeds to charity. You do it like American Idol style. We get Ryan Seacrest if and I, that other guy. Who was that other guy, Donald, that was with Ryan Seacrest for the first season? Howard Stern. No, Dumblekirk or whatever. What's Don't know, look, okay. but he was great. We loved him. <laughs> but look, if Obama wins, I'll step down. 
<laughs> okay, you heard it here first. It's going to be a big pay-per-view. Trump versus Obama. Winner wins, loser loses. We'll be back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. Very excited because my show, The Von Hessler Doctrine, is going to be all over 2017. Starting January 9th, The Von Hessler Doctrine will be on weekdays from 11 a.m. till noon. I'm excited. The whole city. I just have a quick comment about Eric Von Hessler that y'all are putting in the daytime slot from 11 to 12. I cannot stand him, and I know a lot of your listeners are the same way. Well, uh, as I said, the entire city, very excited that the Von Hessler Doctrine, (laughs) starting on January 9th from 11 to noon, weekdays, News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. And that was very quick, so I thought that we'd have that gentleman in to... Eric Haderson is here with us. Uh, So you're not not digging my act. I do not like spontaneous humor. Thank you. (laughs) What do you like out of your radio? What is it about me you're not digging? Basically, I only want to hear what I already know I know. Thank you. (laughs) So you don't have to say thank you at the end of everything. On the... the, uh on the the voicemail thing, you only have 10 seconds, but here you can speak your mind. I have, I believe I have spoken my mind that I do not like Eric Von Hessler. Thank you. <laughs> Over and out? <laughs> I would prefer to hear something that uh, validates my own opinions. Thank you. Eric Haderson, everybody. You know, I want to, I want, uh, you, you got to give me a chance. January 9th, we'll have you back, Eric Haderson, and you can tell us how we're doing, if you're liking it better, if it's worse than what you thought it was going to be. But I, you need to have an open mind. I, I believe that I probably will not like you, and if I do, I, I will tell you, so thank you. Well, Eric Haderson, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have him back, and you can tell us how we're doing or not doing. Hopefully, an open mind for an open mic, right? Thank you. <laughs> We have time to squeeze in another story here. Yeah, yeah we do. So we'll, we'll Eric Haderson, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> I don't know how I transition from this, but okay. So Donald Trump is having trouble booking acts for his inauguration. Oh uh, yeah, Elton John said no. Garth Brooks said no. Which is you know really kind of funny because the guy was elected, but they're still afraid of the people. The media won't like them. Lee Greenwood said no. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Greenwood definitely wouldn't say no. I think Lee Greenwood is in. Uh, is Kid Rock? Kid Rock might do it, right? I, mean, I would assume I don't know Kid if he's Rock on tour. Ted Nugent, always available. Always available. Who do you got? Big stars? You got some big stars? Uh, we have Abba. <laughs> I went, uh, Leo Sayer. Talked to him. He said no. Uh, Leo Sayer said no. C.W. McCall. He's going to do a 20-minute version of Convoy. He said no. Captain and Tennille. Both said no. Well, Yes. Share. Joe Walsh says he knows why. You're absolutely right, and I'll tell you why. Because the president is ruthless on Twitter. I don't think Joe Walsh is correct. (laughs) I don't want him saying that I was terrible. (laughs) Joe, you're afraid he's going to blast you on Twitter. I don't need to be put on blast, man. (laughs) All right, more in a few minutes. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. Hope you've had a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. 
Happy Hanukkah. What else is out there? Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, of course. People don't even make jokes about Kwanzaa anymore, which, in reality, I saw this happen in front of my own eyes. You know what, you know what uh, killed Kwanzaa? African-American children killed Kwanzaa. I have some friends out in the suburbs back in the early 2000s. They decided to get back in touch with their black roots, and for they're going to have we're going to have Kwanzaa this year, and not uh, not Christmas. And I noticed, I mean, the, their kids were not having it. By the second year, they had Kwanzaa and Santa Claus, and by the third year, Kwanzaa was completely gone because Kwanzaa was not fun, and Christmas is fun. Jewish children, about 25, 30 years ago, started putting the pressure on the parents, like, we got to make Hanukkah somewhat fun, like Christmas. This isn't fair that all my friends get Christmas and I get a pair of socks on the fourth (laughs) night. And so Hanukkah has actually done quite a bit over the last 25, 30 years to sort of catch up with Christmas, because Christmas is just a lot of fun for kids. But it's it's wonderful. I'm assuming my anecdotal evidence with people that I know that it is true. The reason people don't even make jokes about Kwanzaa anymore. It's just not around. Well, it's not politically correct to do that either. So. Well, but I mean, people used to make jokes about it not being politically correct, but they don't anymore because Kwanzaa is just not around. It was an experiment. It failed to launch. And the reason it failed to launch is it was no fun because kids in America, no matter what their color is, were used to Santa Claus and used to fun. And then suddenly their parents, because they felt guilty about living in the suburbs or something, decided to replace Christmas with a social lecture. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly not what children want when it comes to Christmas time. Kwanzaa was like this weird thing. It was invented by a professor in the late 60s. Well, it was to help African Americans celebrate their, their heritage. A heritage. But what they did was they kind of took a little bit from the Hanukkah thing and they took a little and they just created this mishmash of more than anything. There is nothing more difficult to deal with than a sociology major, okay, in your life. Somebody who's a sociologist or a sociology major at any one of our great colleges. Uh, insufferable people to have around you. And these are the people who invented things like Kwanzaa. And therefore, that's why, why does Christmas continue? You know, we have people get upset because, you know, Christ is right in the name. And quite often between the consumerism and Santa Claus, people, well, they always saying on WSB, don't forget the reason for the season. And there's truth in that. But the reason that Christmas will always have have legs is because kids dig it it is fun it's something to look forward to so if you want to create some kind of phony baloney thing that addresses all of your cultural needs number one two and three need to be fun 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 then put in the social lecture well, I think we need to play along with it, Eric. Today is the second day of Kwanzaa this year. I mean, we've got plenty of time where, we, is, where we could jump into it. What does the candle lighting tonight symbolize, does it say? Uh, it does not say what it symbolizes oh, tonight. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure it does say. He just didn't dig it deep enough into the no, story. No, no. I was just over here. I've got the Hanukkah calendar. I know that Hanukkah and Kwanzaa both end on uh, New Year's Day. Well, they're very closely linked because this professor took a lot not from Not that closely. Let me... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just to the fact that one was cribbing the nose. Candles and it's the same week, but otherwise. Uh, A man who never has to crib notes because traffic is new every day. Smile at Mark McKay. This ain't good on the Easter Freeway, Eric, as we're up and over at 612, 613 now. Eric? All right, I wanted to get uh, back to the inauguration, but Jared Yamamoto tells me he now knows. 
what the second night of Kwanzaa means. Yeah, it means... Uh, self- Another night of no fun for African-American children. That's what it means. Self-determination. It says to represent the second doctrine, or as an ad pops up right uh, here, that doesn't or sound like, principle. That doesn't sound like it just popped up out of the Barnes & Noble self-help book section, does it? Or principle, the leftmost red candle is lit after the uh, black one. The, this principle represents uh, Kuji Chamagu Lahi, Good. or oh, self-determination. Back. I got of it right. Like, it's got it right. It's got it uh, mm. hypothetically... Uh, What's or- more fun than self-determination? Yes, that's right. a good time. You know what I looked forward to at Christmas when I was a kid? Mm. Some fat dude who li- apparently lived at the North Pole was going to bring <laughs> me presents. Ho, ho, ho. Now, let's talk about self-determination, my little friend. He didn't talk about self-determination. Every time I saw him, as a matter of fact, as a child, he'd simply ask me what I wanted, and there was a caveat. that w- Are you being good? And I always lied and said that I was really good that year <laughs> and that I deserved whatever. Maybe I was shallow, but that's children. And if you want a, a holiday to, to stay alive, please the children first. Because once you've got them addicted, once they enjoy the fun, they're more than willing to go to church and get the lecture and all of that. Sounds like claws splaining to me. <laughs> Do either of y'all play in Christmas the, privilege? Christmas privilege. <laughs> Do either of y'all play in the 12 days of Christmas? I mean, that, that could be some Christmas privilege right there. The fact that Christmas technically has 12 days that you're supposed it to It only has one celebrate. day as far as I know. Yeah, but some people celebrate all Who, 12 no, days. Nobody does. Name them. No, if there wasn't a song that nobody likes... <laughs> that for some reason no, plays every it year. Really like, is a who, thing. I know it's a thing, <laughs> but nobody celebrates the tenth day of Christmas. Nobody, <laughs> nobody. Andrew, do you celebrate? What do you and your family do for the tenth day of Christmas? Nothing. That's what I thought. <laughs> because you're somebody, and anybody who's a somebody is the category of nobody. Actually celebrates. I'm going to call our sociology professors over at Georgia State. We need to get uh, you to HR, Eric von Hessler. You, you are uncultured, so, and you are just. I can't believe that you would has say anybody such noticed, a thing. Has anybody noticed that black people gave up on Kwanzaa? Hey, has anybody noticed this? It trended I, highest in 2010. <laughs> really? Well, yes, that was it, it was peaking as it was uh, losing its steam. <laughs> yes. It's no fun. As I said, look at Hanukkah. They made it fun. It wasn't fun for a long time, and then Jewish kids said, "You know what?" I really deserve better than this. <laughs> I want the bike. You've got to get me. Some, we've got to turn this into a fun thing. You're absolutely right. Uh, now, so uh, I want to get back to before the break at the bottom of the hour. We were talking about how difficult it is for Trump to get so-called A-listers to play his inauguration balls and ceremonies and whatnot. And I played a little Joe Walsh. Remember him? You didn't even know who Joe Walsh is? No, not, until, little, I, not until I saw the story. There's a little band called the Eagles and also his own solo I like the work. Eagles. Oh, I bet you do. I'll tell you why. Because the president is ruthless on Twitter. Oh. You think, you think and you're... everybody's afraid to get Twittered. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I got tweered in the seventies by Glenn Fry, and it doesn't feel good, my friend. <laughs> Joe Walsh. So you're saying all these A-listers, Elton John, Garth Brooks, they're not saying no to Trump because they're worried about the backlash from their fan base. They are worried that if they don't do well, the next day he's going to pop them on Twitter. Oh, he'll take them to task on his Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag failure. What, what else don't you like, Joe Walsh? You don't like, like Facebook. <laughs> I don't like remote controls. I don't like computers. They got too many lights and dots. You're an analog man, I understand. I'm a Luddite. <laughs> All right. More on this and other nonsense when we return. Welcome back, Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. 
couple of doctrinaires are with me. Jared and Tim are with me. Before we go to the next headline of the day, Jared, I want to finish up on this the story about how difficult it is for Trump to get so-called A-listers to perform at the inauguration and the balls and all that go on around it and the parade and the whatnot. Uh, who's Elton John turned him down. Garth Brooks has turned him down. A bunch of people have turned him down. Which probably has a lot to do with political correctness, and so those people are idiots. But it gets me thinking, why do we need this stuff? What I, if, if Donald Trump was supposed to be different, what I would like to see is, I'm just going to stand up there, I'm going to take the oath of office, I'm going to read my speech, and then I'm going to walk in and be president. No parade, you know, just marching bands that are refusing, okay, fine. Okay, right now, marching band X, Y, or Z, the country apparently isn't good enough for your appearance. Okay, so I got an idea. Let's call the whole thing off. Let's not raise one red cent from one millionaire to offset the stuff. And why do we need it? Why do we need inauguration balls? Didn't we break away from this? We broke away from royalty. We broke away from royal families. We broke away from all of this. I've never understood why there has to be inauguration ball. Why there has to be a parade, I can understand, but I got news for you. It's not the 4th of July. It's the result of an election that we hold every four years. So NASA can show, show you their, their coolest equipment, and you can spend another four years ignoring them. That's what that parade is. Every department puts out their coolest equipment and says, Hey, Mr. President, look at us. Give us a little more money, if you could, please. I want to get those nuclear missiles in my parade like they do in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a parade! Look at those missiles. They're wonderful. They're great. We're going to make those missiles great again. I hope we never have to use them, but if we do, I want them to work and look how beautiful they are. Honestly, who is this for? With the inauguration balls for? Pomp and circumstance. It's for the people. I'm not saying don't play Hail to the Chief. Tradition. I don't know so much about the tradition. The only guy that's going to be there is Jimmy Carter. Yeah, Jimmy Carter, the most open-minded one. Right. You know, is the one who's going to go there and actually be with him as an ex-president. Is that at the uh, the swearing-in or the ball? That's swearing-in. So the president of the United States, the current president, isn't going to be there. Well, he has to be there. They're talking about the others. Yeah, He has to be there because he's the president until he turns it over. And George H.W. Bush is in bad health, so he explained that he that's why he can't make it. I'm getting a haircut that day. (laughs) (laughs) W, you can't be there, huh? That's right. I thought you and Jeb should go together. Jeb don't want to go. I just, you know. He's still crying. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> bury the hatchet. That's what you need to do. Just bury the hatchet. But you do raise a good point here, yeah, What is it for? Is it for the working class people in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Ohio that put Donald Trump up there? No. There isn't one inauguration ball that is for them. I- and his presidency is made possible because of those people. And I think if it's going to be so different, then let's just have it different. You know, <clears throat> some, I don't know if it's going to be good or bad in the long run. But I loved when Trump told the Chinese, keep the drone. I don't know if it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I just thought it was really awesome that he said, keep the drone. So as a response to all of this, we're not going to play the inauguration. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to take the oath of office. I'm going to give a speech. And we're all going to go home. And I'm going to start being president. No inauguration balls. It's the United States of America. We're not a royal family. This is a good opportunity to get rid of something that we don't need. More headlines when we get back.
Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler. In for Eric Erickson. Keep this up right here. Did I say I'm filling in for Eric Erickson? You did. I most certainly am. That was Jared Yamamoto. Tim Andrews is here with us. Did I just hear that the delay, the delay is not on? The delay is on. Oh, that's what he meant to say. Mark McKay was not listening to because the delay. I was saying, if, if the delay is not on, let's tiptoe our way to 7 o'clock because uh, I'm supposed to be back on the air again on January 9th weekdays from 11 to noon. And my past says, whenever <laughs> I'm on, that delay needs to be on at all times. So we, we are on. We're good. We are good. Oh, then I can say whatever I want. Well, let's do this again. Headlines of the day. I understand there's new outrage in the world, and that's what I'm here to cover. Yeah, that's right, Eric. So Cinnabon has... I'm outraged! ...has deleted a Carrie Fisher tweet after causing outrage for saying, quote, R.I.P. Carrie Fisher, you'll always have the best buns in the galaxy, and it has little cinnamon buns on her head. And so what's happened now is within minutes... The internet shame machine got turned on somewhere. Where is that switch? I don't even know who keeps it. I don't know. Hell. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in hell. They turned on the internet outrage machine. And so somebody, remember people, it doesn't matter your motive, right? It doesn't matter your intention. If your intention was good with the new internet outrage machine, intention doesn't matter. When times were reasonable, intention was almost everything. Motive was almost everything. But in the age of the internet outrage machine, and I should say faux outrage, it's not real. No one, not even the people who have shamed Cinnabon into pulling back their tweet, because God forbid, oh, what's that word? We don't use it anymore. It's called an homage. So, God forbid, Cinnabon decided to put up a picture of Carrie Fisher with cinnamon buns as her buns on her, on her head and say, we're going to wish you, wish you the best, RIP, whatever. God forbid that they actually do something like that as an homage because the internet outrage machine, which is not real. What do I mean when I say that? Here's a tweet that went up as an homage. It was bullied down within minutes because of the internet outrage machine. Well, the word outrage is right there, Eric. Surely there's out... No, it's not real. There's not one single person in the entire world who is actually outraged. (laughs) You're a fictional fictional character. (laughs) You don't count. Well, Julie Alexander. I am outraged that Tim Andrews would use the death of Carrie Fisher to make a joke about Chewbacca on a radio show. (laughs) I got news for you. No, you're not. You're not outraged. And neither is anyone else. This is my point. I'm whispering because I learned somewhere that people actually listen to you more intently if you whisper. So get your ear closer to the radio speaker. And let me tell you something that you may not know. No one is actually outraged about anything anymore. Outrage is a thing. It's a switch that you flip in order to have certain political outcomes. But outrage itself never happens anymore. When you're outraged, let me give you a hint. If you're outraged in your life, You have difficulty speaking. You may be short of breath. 
used to be a phrase, I'm beside myself. I can't even think straight. No one is exhibiting any of those classic signs of outrage over Cinnabon with their heart in the right place putting up an homage, a tweet to Carrie Fisher. No one. It's not real. News isn't the only thing that's fake these days. Just about everything is, except for Smod and Mark McKay. He's, he's here to help you get home. And I'm not, and I'm not, into, I just want to pull back the curtain, show everybody how it's done. You know, when you're in delay, it can be a real mess when you're trying to communicate the information that I need to get to you. So my professor in broadcasting school will admonish me for not being in delay. <laughs> Good night, guys. Just think about it. As often as you hear stories about people being outraged, use your own life as an example. When was the last time that you were actually outraged? I don't mean you turned on your favorite radio show and the host was outraged and you, oh, you know what? I mean, you yourself. You, this has to start with you. It can't start with something you hear on Fox News or WSB or anywhere else. When is the last time that you were just hit with some sort of stimuli and your response was actual outrage. I got news for you. For most of you, and for me, it was a very long time ago because genuine outrage is quite rare. The term outrage is a media term now. As a matter of fact, the Von Hessler Doctrine, this is a great radio show. There are people out there saying that this show, the Von Hessler Doctrine, the greatest radio show in the history of radio, I am way too humble to say something like that. I'm just reporting to you that there are others out there who say such things. Well, that show is going to be available here 11 to noon, weekday, starting on January 9th. But something that we do on that show is called Outrage Corner. And the reason we started it was because we knew in America, in 2016, that we could have an outrage corner every week, have a guaranteed five or six stories, because it's a mill. It's an outrage mill. Stop telling me you're outraged unless you can't breathe. You can't move. You're beside you. You've been crying for 24 hours. You're not outraged. And that's a good thing. We'll be back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. Final segment. Jared Yamamoto and Tim Andrews are here with me. So, Jared, we were talking about this fake outrage story about Cinnabon and this tweet they deleted with Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia with the Cinnabon buns. There's no reason to be outraged. I've already gone through that. But what was the? What did you say that the hashtag was? So now the hashtag objectification, objectification is Objectification of Princess Leia. She barely had anything on. Get over yourself, Eric, and stop capitalizing on the tragic loss of an icon, says one user here. Yeah, another faux outrage. Objectification. She was very sexy in that movie. All right, is that politically incorrect to say? Because I got news for you. Go rent it. She barely has anything on. You got a problem with objectification? Take it to George Lucas, get in a time machine, go back to 1976, have a conversation with him. 83. What? Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Yeah. That's when she wore the bikini. 
Well, she was looking pretty damn sexy in the first one. True, true, true. It's not as if she wasn't sexy in the first one. Stop uh, fact-checking me, uh, <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> all right, I just said, the faux outrage on all this just drives me crazy. Anyway, we've got a lot of things to get to here. First of all, the Von Hessler Doctrine is going to be on January 9th, weekdays, 11 a.m. till noon. The city's going crazy over this news. Everybody is... I just have a quick comment about Eric Von Hessler that y'all are putting in the daytime slot from 11 to 12. I cannot stand him, and I know a lot of your listeners are the same way. Eric Haderson, have you been listening to the last hour? Any update on your mood? I have been listening. Still don't like Eric Von Hessler very much. Thank you. Well, I got Eric Loverson here. Thank you, thank you for finally putting... Eric Von Heffer on the air. It's awesome to have... The city is split. I have to disagree with him. Thank you. Stick around. You know, at 10 o'clock tonight, Jay Black's year interview, 2016. All the big stories from WSB. You're on it, right here? I am on it, of course. And as we said, starting January 9th, the Von Hessler Doctrine, 11 a.m. to noon, weekdays, right here. Where's that? News 95.5, a.m. 750, WSB. Happy holidays.